Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, DJ here. I just want to take some time to talk about Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliations by Flyles Games. This soon-to-launch game is brought to you by the same team that's bringing you Vampire the Masquerade chapters, and they just released a trailer to go along with it. We at 25 invite you to check it out at werewolfthepocalypse-retaliation.com to catch a peek at the trailer and be updated of when it'll appear on Kickstarter, which seems to be early 2022. The game promises to have everything that made chapters endearing to us, the fans, including scenarios, investigations, beautiful miniatures, and more. With that, thanks for your time. Author's note. For Wolves, not the book, for which you would have little use, but the effort and understanding. I enjoyed your company. It's a quote from Barry Lopez in Dedication of Wolves and Men. The Red Talons represent the other. They are everything we don't understand. The wolf, the predator, the wilderness, the dying creature. I wrote this book with a great love for and fascination with wolves. When I began, I thought I knew a great deal about the animals. After more research, I found I was wrong. What most biologists and naturalists know about the wolf is inconclusive, based on little empirical research. Indeed, the research that has been done has served only to reinforce the elusive and enigmatic nature of the wolf, difficult to explain using strictly biological principles. All that can confidently be said is that we need to know more. Despite this lack of information, the wolf is an icon for many conservation and environmental efforts. It is a great comfort in a world of destruction and desecration that people feel the need to conserve something that they do not understand, simply for its own sake. Hey folks, welcome to Werewolf the Apocalypse review of Tribook Red Talons here by uh, 25 Years BTM. I, of course, am Bob, and I'm accompanied today by Brennan. Hey everyone. Now, uh, you may not know this, but Brennan is a massive Red Talon tribe fan. In fact, Brennan, I could say... Where I love them and I like them and I'm just never allowed to play them. It just usually is a typical standing rule uh, for this tribe because it's like, you don't know what a wolf's like. And, you know, I, I hear it all, all sorts, right? Why people can't play a red town, though I don't get it. That's why I make certain that you can. When I run yeah, away. I know. And I, I greatly appreciate it. I will tell you, I am... I am always telling people, you know, don't typecast yourself, you know, go out there. there, there there's a lot of possibilities in these tabletop games. That being said, every werewolf game, a pot game I'm ever in, I always try to play the lupus red talent first. Always. It's, every time. You might as <laughs> Without well let, fail. Let it pitch. Let it go to the wayside. Let them say whatever excuse they got and, uh, <laughs> and just let it be done with it. Right. Because it's just it's all about. It's supposed to be all about having fun, but there's some people who just aren't comfortable with it. And, you know, respect the limit. You know, that's that's how it goes. Uh, but we're going to get into this a little bit. We're going to try to figure out if we can peel back that mystique. Why is it that we want to say that it's okay for you to play any type of Weaver-based, City-based character, no matter what, to the extreme, Black Fury, get a Fenris, or, you know, whatever you feel about those tribes, that's okay. Um, even people play Black Spiral games, they could do that. But, oh, heavens to bits, you play a Red Talon. And <laughs> pro lupus. And it stems from this myth. This myth that we can't understand what a wolf is. Now, mm -hmm. to that end, you guys just heard the author's note about this tribe book they put in there. I did the uh, voiceover work for it to uh, just stress it out there where, you know, just read it clean uh, as they put in there because I feel it is noteworthy. It kind of sets the tone uh, for this tribe book, at least in intent. And that intent, I feel, is the author is bridging the gap, 
trying to say, no, we don't know what it is to be a wolf, but there are books, there are experts, we consulted, we sought them, we at least read enough at a library, whatever angle you want to feel they did, I trust that when they went to put out this book, they did their research and it feels they did. And so that's that's where it is. And if you remember, it was Ways of the Wolf that kind of had red talons already in there. Mm-hmm. And in kind of a startup ad hoc tribe book, we'll get you we'll get you the final version later, but here's a here's a tone of water. And I feel that uh that was the beginning. That was the beginning of this tribe book idea, and they realized they did have enough for it. All that said, what we're gonna find in this book is not an at length exhaustive explanation, although we're gonna give you that explanation in, in our own wording. It's really not written that way. It's like I'd say a solid 74 pages of how to play a red talent, why you should play one, and the mentality's clean. And what I mean, you very much know where you stand when you play them. There's no hidden agenda. There's no, you might be this cunning and misunderstanding that and the wild fervor, whatever, whatever nonsense you think it is. It's, it's, it's literally, this is a werewolf is what I feel the entire tribe is. It's what a werewolf should be in a lot of ways when it's lupus born and they hit that exact mark. What do you think overall, Brennan, before we get to it? I think uh, everything you just talked about is why I like is well, a large part of the reason why I like the red talons, like talking about some of these other clan shadow Lords we're going to get to, right? I think silver fangs are up on the line as well. We're, we're going to see there's a lot of complexity in with, with being in the group, but the red talons don't see that because they have that lupus mindset. They never lose it, right? They can't have anything but that. And that is everything is simple. Everything's straightforward. They see the problem. So they go to, they go to resolve the problem. There's a, a beauty in that simplicity, right? But the, the problem is I, I, I get a lot out of this is even though they're lupus born, as a guru, there's always a bit of human in you, right? And a lot of that is what, I think a lot of that is what a lot of their suffering and, and all the things they faced stem from. But we can talk, we're going to talk about that a little bit down the way anyway. We will. I want to make a distinction here. This tribe book kind of cuts that to the quick. There's no human thinking here. There isn't. What it is, is that at best you could say this is where Gaia gave the lupus just enough thought into what 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 the humans might have been or could be that they bridge the gap in the middle. They talk about that. In fact, to give you an insight, red talents off the bat, well, let me before we get there, a metis is the one, you know, that that is actually telling you the story. And it's weird because mm-hmm. the red talent hardline stance is metis are killed at birth with few exception. Right? We say right. few exception because here's one alive. Here's one alive telling you the story of their tribe. And it accepts the fact that it doesn't belong with the tribe and, and says it outright that it's with the tribe, but like no pack or at a distance or separate from it. And that's what right. goes on. It's it's Crook Paul, right? Yep. He is the he describes himself as the he's a lone wolf without being a Ronin. He, he the Red Talons will not accept him, but he will accept no other tribe because regardless of how he was born, that is what he is. That's the blood flowing through his veins. I love it. I love it because here it tells you quite a bit about the tribe, but saying very little. It's not defining mm-hmm. it off the bat. It says, it, and like he opens it by saying, it falls to me to talk of history, as if to say it falls to me to talk, period. Now, why is that? Well, I love the fact that to the Red Talons, there are no dates. There's no dates. There's no specific day. There's nothing that goes on. In fact, 
um, where they differ than any other tribe so far here. It says it takes a red talon who is exceptional or different at all to talk about this, and that's a menace. And that's when they talk about history. And it adds to the fact that they live their history because what they do is they go to moots where the tales are going to be told, and they, they howl out into the night inviting long-dead ancestors to inhabit them. And then the ancestors tell their tale in, in howls and gesture and what, what would be lupus communication uh, to their tribe about what it was like, about a specific topic or a thing or lore or whatever it is. That's how they do it. Immediately, I was hooked in watching this tribe book because I kind of felt nobody else really explained why it was done that way or had a unique way, and this is why we do it. Here we have this angle, and it's answering a question that a lot of folks overlook. We tell you, and I think it comes from people saying, oh, you wouldn't know how to play a red talent. Mm-hmm. You know, did you read the tribe book? Even if you did, I'm not going to give you a chance. It's a big headache. Most times you hear that it's because a storyteller doesn't want to derail. I want to state this. Already off the bat, we're giving you strong urging as to why a storyteller might say, hey, you know, maybe not. Because to a tribe that says off the bat, your menace are axed or we're forcing them to be speakers to talk to the rest of the apes, as it were, is the mm-hmm. only bridging gap, kind of makes an interesting pack dynamic. And, and a lot of folks don't like that. It might be that hostile or difficult or whatever. And that's what it would be. And so just it's an easy enough thing to exclude rather than include and come up with reasons why. However, for advanced players, those who uh, enjoy, I don't necessarily see advanced, for those who would enjoy adding that element in depth, you might do a red talent or two to kind of establish those uh, the reasons why you would have lupus there and kind of leading the, the charge in that. To not digress further, Crooked Paul goes on to tell a story. And uh, why don't we kick that off, Brentron? How does he say that the first story is of how werewolves came to be? Obviously, they start at the beginning, right? Where else would you start? They start with the first guru, at least what they consider to be the first one. And from there, as they tell the story, the first guru sprang from Gaia and nowhere else. It was a wolf that could go from wolf to human because that was the entirety of its nature. And as it goes on, uh, it is, uh, it, it's described as a, a, a beloved of Gaia. I, they don't say this explicitly, but it gives you the impression that it is unique, right? Like a, a favorite child. And it goes on to state that he, this guru, uh, sires wolf pups and children amongst humans. And where they, um, where they raise this, this example up, above all others, they go on to say that the other tribes detract from it, right? And stating that it's human children were the first grew. Something, some like uh, Cumber, like... uh, Let me help you out a little bit here, because it might be why why it's there. It's written a tad confusing, uh, but what they do is they start off saying they spring from a wolf, right? That uh, they they spring from the first guru, but there was a wolf before that guru. And it was just a wolf. And it was a wolf that actually patrolled Guy's kingdom and kept it safe. We don't know what time period this is, but there were no tribes. They're clear on that. And there was just there were just these wolves. There weren't even werewolves yet. And wolf tended to Gaia. Bottom line. Came from Gaia. That's what the wolf did. That was that. But it, later on, it would be these humans who are tricked. Like the way they, the way they state it, it said it was the weaver who, in her desire to create, stole away some of the creatures of the wild, right? Pulled them away, showed them some tools, and tricked them to use these tools. And this ended up killing the wolf. 
And when that happened, Gaia resurrected the wolf, brought it back as this guru is where it's at. Not You weren't incorrect. You were just skipping a part that I think is interesting how they spread it up, right? Because they point out that the defiler worm is a direct enemy that this tribe goes against. But they mm-hmm. do not state it in detail why that is. Their story tells you it as, an, as it comes true uh, or as they say it. But it doesn't say, like, we are against the Defiler Worm. They mention it's the Defiler Worm they, they are in combat with. However, mm-hmm. they also say that they uh, it's uncertain about how the, the worm broke paradise or even if it did. And, and they say that in his jealousy, slid in and out, corrupted the youngest humans. So the worm did corrupt the humans out the back. Knows of that. Because the humans stink of too much worm taint. So right. How could it be anything else with how things are now, right? It's it's the perfect lupus mindset. They don't go into the details because the details don't matter. What matters is what happened. We know what happened. We know who the enemy is. This is what it is. Now, what's important is they, they know who they cite as the enemy. That the worm corrupted humans, but it's the weaver who empowered the humans. Mm-hmm. So the weaver has a big part of this puzzle uh, for what they consider what the problem is. And then they move on, and I apologize. You got to the point where you tell us about how they we come from this guru that was resurrected, moving about, doing its thing, and uh, what happens then? From there, the um, I mentioned the the guru. Well, the guru come into being after that. If once the werewolf was or the wolf at this point was brought back, like you mentioned, that is when it uh, the the progeny it makes then the pups or the cubs. And the human children that make it, that is where we first see the Guru Nation stem from then. And even then, again, we're still tribeless at this point because there's no need for these uh, these divisions now. The wolves are simply wolves and they're doing as Gaia commands. And as they spread out, uh, we, uh, we're, we're introduced a little bit later on to the, uh, I think, the story of the first Metis. Almost. Is it, right? Cause, uh, is that moving to... It is moving too fast, but we're going to go back and define okay. just a little just to keep people going because there's still this mystery explaining the perspective of what they were what they were doing. I wanted you to to hit. I thought we would we would get there, but doesn't matter. It's what we're here to do, right? Discuss it. So it was Guy herself who made the humans, just as she made the wolves, and they are clear mm-hmm. as red talons that state that. But they also describe the fact that the humans were monkeys, right, eating leaves in the trees and fearing the ground lest the wolf might eat them. That's what was going on. Right. However. As she shaped them, she gave them the ability to change. That's what they described, that they were able to kind of adapt to the times and what they were. And where they were once monkeys in the trees, they were becoming something more. And they noticed that these monkeys, uh, they were developing, they didn't know at the time, but a type of vanity, a type of greed. And they just didn't know to what extent. Because at the time, the dominant uh, thing in the kingdom was Guru, was was, was Mm -hmm. what they would, they don't call it red talons. And I love that they do that. What they say is, and I love this, I'm a quote because uh, that's what you do when you take notes. It says, the first group born was a wolf. <laughs> and it says, who could say whether he was a red talent? In such times, tribe had no meaning. But they do know the name, which is what I adore about this tribe book. It says, that name is Tracks in Fresh Snow. I loved it. Because what they do with Tracks in Fresh Snow is that they talk about the fact that he was the lord of all the Gaia's creatures being the first guru. Delighted in his wolf and human forms and moved among both races. Mated with a human woman and gave birth to the first Hamid. They're descended from Tracks and Fresh Snow, and he's the father, as Gaia is the mother, to the Red Talons. That's what they believe. And any other tribe 
they can advance a complicated argument or say whatever they want. They know this to be true. Why? They have an ancestor. Comes comes into a mood, possesses someone, tells them exactly that. This is how it is, and this is the name. And how you know the validity and truth of it, I feel, is that they have a name where others just kind of describe it. Right? Some, like the Fianna have a great grand name, but like a lot of their story, it's entertaining, but it seems too mythical. Right? Mm -hmm. Too good to be true. Here we have stories, though, like for Tracks and Fresh Snow, where it's like, here's what would the first crew have been like amongst races that couldn't shape change or didn't have supernals as we know it? Well, they would have been dominant. Five forms, march around, do what you do, the cunning of the human, the instincts of the wolf. This is rather a good combination, as we know, hence the point of werewolf. And that's, and that's what you have. But there's a flaw to this guy. This guy is not really on the up and up with what is going to happen with him going forward. Because they describe it as sort of a story of innocence. Right? He kind of goes on forward to be what he is. But at the same time, his only contribution is that he had existed. There's no clear demarcation as to, beyond being the first, what's, what was so special about him. Now, the way they tell the story, his special is the what he encompassed when man and wolf were in harmony. That's the point of it. That man wasn't made to be the enemy of wolf, and the wolf wasn't the enemy of man. They're both creatures of Gaia. She had made both of them. And when she combined the two, this, this is the result of it, and this guy comes out and he's awesome. He's the Lord of all and everything was great and everything was one and we're happy. Pretty cool, right? However, we know this isn't going to be the the end-all be-all because as you were saying, Brentron, what's that first menace? Right. The first menace is um, earlier in the beginning. I, I mentioned the uh, there's like a, a smidge of humanity that that seeps into the Red Talons, right? And would be the, the source of a lot of their suffering. This is what I was talking about. The story of the first Metis is, you guessed it, it's the story of how the first Metis was born. But the it is the how we get to that point, even though we know the ending now, that that uh, made this story stick with me. It goes on to describe the uh, a red talon pack at the time, or maybe it wasn't even red talon because at this point I believe we're still at the point where it was Guru. You had two, right? Right. We had two members of one pack, right? Both were described as young, right? Having seen five summers, the other one uh, being of a similar age, and they were named um, tail tail like a branch. And uh, leaps the creek. Leaps the creek being the younger male, and tail like a branch being the younger female. This is important because, as we actually, as we talked about in Way of the Wolf, lupus packs break apart during certain times of the year. Right? Uh, I think it's typically in early spring or right before summer. They will leave, and what they do is they go to their wolf kin packs and that is when they fight for the right to to breed and they will sire more uh, more pups well during this time tail like a branch and leaps the creek leave together and they come upon a human village and rather than going to finding other wolf packs to join they spend this time with a human village and they get to know them right there is uh, at first it uh, they see the wolves turn to people and everyone's afraid but then they get to know them they speak with them but during this time, um, before the the naked tail like a branch was covered by one of the villagers, a man named Tarn had seen her and was captivated by her beauty. 
And during these months, Tarn tries to uh, tries to court her, right, win her affection. And her being a guru is innocently naive, like uh, ignorant I love of what how he's they doing. Describe it because even the retail menace is like we have no idea what he's doing, but I don't know. But he but he describes how they were happy. Everybody's happy, right? They're learning <laughs> yeah. how to hunt and gather, and they're learning from the humans how to use the tools and seeing what they're learning. And wow, it's fascinating. We're in huts now, but you know, I mean, they describe them as like just they they shape the mud and they're using the skin uh, to to create the uh, the environment for them to live in. And it was okay because they're weaker. <laughs> they're weak, pink flesh they needed for against the elements, and but they understood it because they were using every part of whatever they hunted. And Abazokane and Harmony, there wasn't a lot of them, and so it was manageable. Why I make the distinction? It's important throughout the story in the next. Sorry, please continue. Yeah, uh, for sure. And as the the summer comes to an end, uh, and our, our protagonist's tails like a branch and leaps the creek are about to leave, Tarn approaches them and asks to okay. to mate with a tail like a branch. And at like first she do. has no idea. She's like, what are you talking about? But this is where this this entire scene is is the core of what I said earlier about humanity seeping into them. Because when Tarn asks that, makes that proposal, leaps the creek immediately gets defensive, goes to challenge them, and in that moment when Tarn asked Tail like a branch to be his mate, she responded with "Leaps the creek is my mate." At that time, it goes on to say they had never thought about it before. They had never needed to think about it before. But from everything they were saying now, from how they had reacted, obviously that's what it was. It could be nothing else between them. And here's whoever wrote that. I mean, the author's genius, right? And in mm-hmm. the menace retelling of it, because what he did was he, he describes the defiler worm again, right? Def- what it does. It talks about the human element being interjected and the concept of love. Well, Lupus have a type of what would be called love, but they don't they don't believe it in the same it's, way. It's not complicated, right? Like humanity is. It's like what love they feel is familial love. It binds the pack. It binds who they're with, and it's simple. You feel it, you do it, and you move forward. You don't bog yourself down with it, like course, proposing to someone who's just leaving. Of course we're going to mate. Of course it's going to happen, and I, you know because that's, that's what we do. We make more of our own. And of course the community is going to raise the child, and we'll work out fine. And of course you like me because I like you. Otherwise, we would be enemies. So here we are, and that's great, and we'll move on. And if you're the strongest, I'll mate with you. If you're not, I won't. And the one thing they knew was that Tarn was a strong warrior that was in here, right? Because and it's not to steal your thunder. It's the point of the Defiler Worm. Why was Tarn so hard-pressed to say her and only her? Yeah, she was unique. Yes, he saw what she could do, but why wasn't he scared of that? That's the part that the storyteller leaves out on purpose. It's for you to decide. And I think that is the seed of the Defiler Worm. He saw what he didn't have that was unique, and he wanted it. Didn't know mm-hmm. why he wanted it, but why do we all want something we can't have? They describe this as the almost a human disease from the wolf perspective. Instead of it just being black and white and uncomplicated. Like, how would this have gone, you think, Brennan, if it was like, Tarn was like, I wish to mate with you. And she was like, well, you're strong. Well, come with us. And if you are, well, we will. Well, what I think is we wouldn't have had a first medis. We would have had, like, you know, more human. We would have human red talent kinfolk is what we would have, Bob. But that is not the the fate that we have in store for us. Instead, we, um, 
I actually like that 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 pick out you did of the defiler worm because that makes Tarn's next action uh, make a whole lot more sense because it threw me for a loop. He immediately stabs, uh, leaps the creek just straight through the the abdomen. There's a, a very beautiful picture of that like uh, surprise attack. And he's in this book. And he's a little punk too because Tarn absolutely Tarn calls him out. He says, "Well, if I can't have you, well, because because what happens is leaps the creek's like she's mine." And he's baffled, blown away in his brain. Why the uh-huh. hell did I just say that? And he's confused. And he doesn't know why I say it. Tarn's like, well, I'll fight for the right to have her. And both Lupus are just quiet. And they're like, why did I say that? And she's like, what? What do you really? Like, look at him like, do you, you know what you're saying? And then Tarn's like, well, there's been silence 30 seconds. I counted. And he stabs him. Like, <laughs> like who? What? <laughs> why would you do that? It's, it's like, hey, Brennan, can I have a drink out of your fridge? And you're quiet. Man, I'll punch you if you don't answer me. <laughs> Sock in the jaw. And you were like, I was lost in thought, bro. Jesus, have a soda. Right? <laughs> That's how I feel, dude. It was goofy as hell. It How right in the kisser. All right, sorry. But I, I had to highlight it. It was like, it hit me. I'm glad it hit you the same way. Because I was like, what? Something was up. All right. But, uh, but we he, just went from zero to a hundred real quick. Right, so he stabs him. <laughs> what, what happens with that? Is he sleeps the creek like, man, good stab. <laughs> Yeah, no, not at all. See, if he... Werewolves aren't known for their reasonability, Bob. I don't know if we've actually talked about this because they have a thing called rage. If you are a creature of rage, you don't have what we call as cool, right? They're mutually exclusive. And so, like anyone who's full of rage, when you're stabbed in the gut, it's not like a... It's not a paper cut, Bob. He's impaled. Right. Vlad the Impaler style, almost. And so he Krenoses. This this fight doesn't last long. I don't give a damn how good Tarn is. Right. He's a human. You have there's an upper limit. He's a human right? You could with be a wooden spear. <laughs> I don't care if you are what is the what is the actor of the mountain's name? Uh, Olsen? Something Olsen? It's not Olsen. I said it wrong. Thor Bjornsson. Half Thor Bjornsson, that's it. There we go. All right. Everyone immediately, everyone has an idea of what he looks like. Tarn could be that guy. He could be absolutely that guy. He still he still doesn't have a chance. He's being ripped apart. And that's what happens with Leap the Creek. And as soon as that's done, leaps the creek and branch like a tail tail like a branch, rather, they leave. That's what you do after you kill someone in a village. Uh, there's no being okay with that afterwards. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it described everybody crying. Right, everybody's like, I yes, thought you does. were our friends. I thought you were cool. I guess they gotta leave. Like a closing Disney film. Right? right. Like the story is habits would enter my head, but I was like, strangely, it fits. Like we're we're Josh in here a bit, laughing a bit. Um, it fits. It fits. It does. But it gets worse. It gets worse, right? Tail like a branch goes off with this guy and uh leaves the creek. He heals. And they they mate. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's black and white. Why? They're they're woke. They're lupus born. They had urges. This is the first, and they they mate. That happens. And leaps the creek already knows he did something wrong, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't return to the pack. In fact, he's gone forever. And when she shows up, tails like a branch, she returns to the pack with a swollen belly, and the elders already know what what happened to leaps the creek. They already have an idea of what goes on. And what's worse is she has the pup, but it's born hideous, small, and uh, she named it. Right, and so it's a menace, yeah, and she it was 
And the the name is incredibly important, right? Because the name of this first Metis was called Sadness. And as soon as this uh, as soon as this unfortunate cub was born, there was a uh, another great Arun, um, Black Paul, beautiful name for an Arun Red Talon, that takes the babe into its massive jaws and crushes the life from it in a vain attempt to stop this from happening. Because even though she named it appropriately sadness knew what it was it was still her pup and tried to defend it branch tail like a branch is slain killed for what's happened now it's important that it wasn't just black paul that turned around and killed the mother after killing the baby right they she knew they were going to kill her offspring but instinct she's the mom she fights everybody to keep it alive and they kill her as well mm-hmm. right they it uh it reminded me of, there's some famous painting, which seems incredibly trivial when you first glance at it. I think it's called, like, Sadness or Suffering. And what it is, is it's a picture of a of a mother, a mother sheep standing over a dead lamb. And they are surrounded by a flock of crows. And it is the mother lamb just, like, in, in vain defiance, like, uh, mournfully bleeding into the sky and warding off the crows that are trying to pick the flesh from its baby. That is the same feeling I got from reading this story. And I, I like the I like the tale afterward how it how it neatly how it beautifully goes together. They said that uh, after Black Paw had crushed the babe in its in its mouth and didn't eat it, and this is important, did not eat the mm-hmm. medicine out of fear that it was contaminated. Um, that would be the end of the story, except that the pack breaks apart after that, because having witnessed the cruel act that they had to do. Um, that more or less they would feel that those two made them do. They had to kill Sadness. And killing Sadness, Blackpaw gave birth to grief and doubt. See, at this point, they hadn't known either. They didn't hesitate. They had instinct. So they had no reason to doubt what they did. The two made it without giving concern to what would happen afterward. That's the important part here. This is how they say the Red Talons learned it, was this tale. Had the two thought about what would happen if they made it, this wouldn't have happened. But up until this point, they didn't have any human feelings to do that. But they didn't think about, as they learned from the humans, they might get some of their customs as part of themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when they faced it, they knew what they had had to do to fix it. But now the lesson was learned and learned bitterly. And so they had this grief to go with it, wishing it had never been done. But that's why to this very day, it's still a story used for them to teach that very lesson as to why we don't have metis. And beautiful. It's a lot better than saying, grew shit, maybe grew. Why? Because you can get a metis. Right. Well, why don't we get a metis? Right. And what's the deal with (laughs) metis? Like, why is it a big deal if you get a metis? Like, I understand. Like, all right, so the metis can't mate, but they're still a warrior. They can learn. They can still help Gaia. Nah, it's not how it works, bro. Okay. Are you going to explain that all? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> like, so the red talents have a reason right a very visual actual reason to go with it and so it's pretty cool to say it and what's even more impactful the storyteller tells you is a menace goes on to say he still carries this grief in his flesh because they spared him mm-hmm. and he's angry about that but he keeps his sadness to himself and his anger grows along with his tribe it's going to be an important theme in fact you're going to see this a lot at <laughs> this tribe book everything that happens they bear it bitterly and quietly and their anger grows is the one thing you'll get from it. But they roll on. It's not the only thing. It's like a lot of bad stuff starts mounting up for them as it goes around. Because it can't be all milk and honey uh, for what this tribe has. And 
that's just one of them. There's a great offense that they call it later on. And what it is, is that it's the domestication of wolves to dogs Mm -hmm. that they talk about. Now, why this is important, and we're going to skip a, a lot of the hyperbole here and just get to the point. We shouldn't need to explain to you why a wolf would take offense that you grabbed uh, a lupus, domesticate it, and breed out of the instinct and survival uh, of it without needing a master. Right before it's its own, it's with its own, and they know what to do. They're masters of the wild, roving as predators. There's a natural purity that was given to them, and, and a ranking in an ecosystem that they're born into from their own. It's where they're supposed to be. Well, out of nowhere, and that's how they feel. The red talon lupus, the lupus feels out of nowhere humans got this power to turn mm-hmm. around. It's and- like they turned around and like their their cousins that had been like nearby are now like, why are you no longer hunting and taking these scraps? Why are you guarding their sheep? No idea. No idea why this happened. Like, it's like one moment you guys were just amongst the trees doing your thing. And then, you know, it was pretty cool. You got settlements, but it was no big deal. But we turn around and now you have even more people and you have even more settlements, more than we've ever thought you could get. And this is insane. What you and you have dogs. We can't believe this. Right. It's like the Red Towns went in there, saw what they had and then came out and were like, what are you? Oh, oh, we should do something bad to them. You can't be doing that. <laughs> oh, they're going to pay for this. Right. And it's yeah. like, well, and I don't know. Sh- should they pay for this? Because those those aren't those aren't our kin. Those aren't our kin at all, right? It goes on to say, there's this guy, one ear black, mighty gallard yeah. of, of the Red Talons, that's uh, basically leads a wild run into a human settlement, which basically charges in there. And uh, excuse me, her intention to her, a female here, uh, was to free the hounds, all of them, release them all, get them out of their servitude. You're free, run with guy, get out of here. But she was crushed when she realized that the dogs had turned on her, right? Were barking right. at they her. They sided with their mas- their new masters, these humans. And she went, it goes on. I love how they describe that, like with a, with a heavy heart and, and sadness all through her. She slaughtered the dogs to the last. It's, uh, oh. it's, it, no, it is that you're, I'm, I'm here. I'm just, uh. It's, it's something that hits you, right? It's like she runs in there to do the right thing. She wanted to free him and realizes she can't. Instead, she has to slaughter him because they're not, they're not what should have been there. And that's, all, and that's all she has, you know what I mean? And so when that occurs, it's like, oh, well, uh, what do you do? Yeah, there's, what do you do? There's no good, si- well, hold on. I'm going to say this. I'm going to take a step back and speak as Brennan. Us domesticating dogs is one of the best, if not the best thing that has ever happened to the human race, period. But we're not talking about from the standpoint of a human being or even a hominid at this point. We're talking about lupus red talons. There, I, It never occurred to me before this passage just how like infuriating it would be to see a dog. Like, never, like I figured they would hate them, right? They would hate the idea of them, but it never struck with me until reading this just how deep of a strike that would be. Because you're, you're, it's another example of how the red talons see humans as corrupting, like uh, what Gaia has made for the world, right? Humans twisting it to suit their own ends. And what, so with that mindset, what else could you do in that situation? It, it, it would never end any other way. It's, there, there are stories like folkloric stories and whatnot that talk about, um, uh... You know, African warrior heroes about the same thing, about coming upon like a slave ship and what to do and 
to to know that justification, just you don't have to go digging around in the old dusty internet to to find a tale of that caliber. I'll give it to you. If you remember American Gods, the TV show, they show you that episode mm-hmm. where the spider appears to the African slave ship, so it's talking to him about anger and how anger gets shit done. Mm-hmm. That's all the red talent prepping you need for this story. Why are they mad about dogs? Watch that episode. It's the best five, ten minutes of your life you're going to spend to understand those two. Because I feel it bridges that gap and understands it clearly. It's better that you're dead. That you die. Being you were subjugated, they captured you, you're being brought in. But better you die whole and clean as the warriors you were born to be than to live on as a slave for someone who's only going to see you as a pet. That's that's what it hammers home. I distinctly get what black uh, black ear here par or whatever <laughs> I can mix the two names out. But what one, <laughs> one ear, black one ear black one ear black one ear black felt when she got in there. Right, I'm gonna save everybody, but you're not what I recognize as who I am now, or who we we are outside of these walls. And it's an interesting thing. Now we also can't leave, leave that fact out. Remember Defiler Worm. This is another example of the Defiler Worm. Who taught the humans how to corrupt? Who taught them to domesticate the, the, these lupus to dogs? Who showed them they could do that? Why? Well, it's a combo. It's the weaver meets the defiler worm. Right? The weaver's enabling them through tools and ideas and change, right? As the red talons <laughs> see it. Um, but it's the defiler worm that's pouring that honey in the right place in the right spot. Are you not masters? Can you not? Hey, they need to eat. They need to do this. But you can think well beyond it. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It'll be all right. There's no one around you to tell you otherwise. And so they do it, and the red talents come back like slaughter everybody. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> we're winning out here, right? We got a, we got a game winner. So that's that's what happens. But an even more tragic story, right? We go from that. We know they're pissed off about the dogs, but there's another thing that goes on. Let's talk about that woolly mammoth incident. Who is the star of this tale? What is his name? It's let's just go with it. Right, we're a general here. We're not trying to okay. quote the book verbatim. If we can remember it as we do, let's do it. If you want a fun name, I took it down since you're happy. I just I just stunned myself and was like, oh yeah, I do got it. It's uh, the Red Talon Philodox runs wisely. Runs wisely. This is um right. So this Red Talon runs wisely. This is uh, I got the feeling this was we're we're in a tundra setting. For this one, right, as, as most of these stories are, are going to be. And it goes on to, it illustrates that our protagonist runs wisely uh, in his travels, encounters a a village, that's the words that was escaping my mind, of humans. At the time, they were hunting the woolly mammoths, and they were, he goes on to say, there's a, I don't like what they're doing here, but they're not leaving anything to, like, rot. They're using all the pieces, and that's fine. And uh, another year goes by and he comes back and he noticed that this human village is growing larger and larger and this mammoth pack is growing smaller and smaller and he's like this is this is this can't work this has to stop this year you cannot hunt these mammoths is what he says to these human elders and they say but this year we have more people than we did the year before we need more we need their fur to survive and runs wisely you don't get these names as a guru, especially as a lupus, unless it's accurate. And as wise as he may be, this is a thing that stumped even him because he didn't have an answer for it. I I felt the answer would be, well, humans are going to die. You're growing too large. There's a culling here. 
but we're not at that part yet. Well, and it, and it wasn't that. Like, remember, they, he agreed. When he saw that they said, hey, what are you doing killing? He says, well, one mammoth is large enough to feed all the people you got and to, to give them fur. That's pretty cool because you guys lost your fur somehow and you're kind of weak and exposed. So it makes sense that you do it. But at the time, it was like a settlement. Mm-hmm. Right, maybe 20 people. But then when he comes back, like you said, there's way too many. And then they're going, oh, well, we still need to f- clothe and feed people. And he's like, uh, yeah, well, maybe you don't. <laughs> maybe you don't right now. How about you chill out? But how do we handle it? And then he's like, well, he leaves to figure it out. Right? Like you said, what else do you do? You know, because we're not talking that they're sitting around going, well, let's go back to the elders and have a big old debate. They're kind of black mm-hmm. and white about this. Like, here's the problem. I saw it. I caught it. So I got to go back to my sept and talk to them and be like, hey, um, mammoths, they're going away. Humans are hunting them. They need to. Uh, but uh, do they need to hunt them now? <laughs> like, is that a thing? Um, and while they had this conversation, because remember, time isn't important to them in these retellings. Mm-hmm. Nor are dates. But obviously, time passes. Because you go there the first time, it's one settlement. You come back, it's many settlements. There were many mammoths. Less humans, now it's reversed. But don't me steal your thunder any further, man. Uh, what happens when Runs Wisely comes back a third time? On the the third time Runs Runs Wisely comes back to this village, he's in the the uh, tundra where there would have been the mammoth pack. He sees one lone bald mammoth unslain because being that it's bald, it couldn't offer the uh, the the warmth the humans needed. And it approached him asked him what happened even though i'm sure he already knew the answer <clears throat> humans had wiped them out taken all of the uh, all of the other mammoths taken what they needed regardless of the the impact they would have to this and so runs wisely brings the bald mammoth back to the village to find what had happened and he asks, I feel as though runs wisely. I, this is a perfect example of a philodox, even amongst a tribe as uh, as brutal as the Red Talons. He still heard out both sides. He needed to. He needed to. That is what his um, his charge from Gaia was. And as he approached the human elders to to speak with them to ask what happened, go ahead. To, to make sense of that because I know the build here. It's we gotta we gotta remember and state clearly. Runs wisely as a philodox as a judge. And so when he went to the bull mammoth, it's that right. asked their, his story. And he said, they've been hunting my family, right? Just slaughtering us. And there's nothing we could do. And we, we don't know why, you know, we, we get that they needed, but like they're, you know, confused why it's a mammoth. It's not a predator and it's not a wolf. It's not a werewolf. And so runs wisely literally took him to go to the humans because he couldn't understand their behavior. Like he's trying to figure out why aren't you getting, I told you to leave the mammoths alone so there can be more mammoths for you to hunt at a later time. You're killing your source. Right. No, because now they're gone, right? You can't, what are you going to do next year when you have even more people and no source of warmth? But as he brings them back and they, he tells them what happened, the humans are blunt about what they did. It's like, yes, we needed this, so we took it. And now that he's heard both sides and he he's confirmed what he he was dreading was going to be confirmed he i think fulfills the rest of his uh his nature as a judge and that he renders a punishment ah there's no rendering of punishment sir we got to remember this rage that this tribe has right and it's a uh, it's a it's not to say you're wrong to have that assumption and generalization but i feel this book because it's being concise 
we have to get that down because they don't give enough information to extrapolate. And they're teaching a lesson. And he's called runs wisely. And when he went back and brought that bull mammoth, like just like he said, the humans were like, yeah, now I'm blind. She says, uh, he asked them, says, how will you survive the winter? Right? What are you going to do now? There's no more mammoths. And they said, oh, we'll just hunt another animal. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right? That's, that made me angry exactly. when I was it reading it. Like that blase, like, uh, there's something else. We'll find something. I see there's a cow over there. It's got a lot of, what do you call it? Oh, is that a bison? Yeah, we'll kill them next. It should piss you off. That's the point. And it more than pissed him off because he said, I told you the solution. I told you what you needed to do. I told you to chill out. The mammoths were cool with it if you chilled freaking out. And you didn't do it. And now that I'm here in front of you, you tell me, oh, well, you know, we'll just hunt another one. That's when runs wisely as they put, and I quote, forgot wisdom and slew humans mm-hmm. on all sides with teeth and claws and pure anger. But the humans remember it's like a trap the defiler had built. They literally, it was set up to where the humans would grow beyond their means. Their greed would know no bounds and they would slaughter the mammoth to extinction. And they went there and told him that. But right when they told him that and he lost his school. He, along with the bull mammoth, was slaughtered by the humans. There were too many of them. Mm-hmm. They came, they tried, and they died. And what this did was it sent a ripple of shock. This No guru had been killed by humans before. It just didn't happen. But the fact that they could die, and they did die, showed the power of the humans unchecked. And with this, this is sort of the, the ammo that, that loads the, the proverbial gun that they would kill me for saying... Uh, <laughs> Red Talons would never use a gun. But the point is, is that that, <laughs> that's said, right? That for them to go and tell the Silver Fangs, hey, guess what? You know, this is uh this is bullshit. Their uh their their power, their depravity, their 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 greed, they don't pay attention to anything. But it's the event that ignited the Impergium, because finally, and only then did the Haman Guru go, we need to put an Impergium on these humans. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the Silver Fangs basically said they need to learn their place. That's what they said. Now, the whole time the Red Talons were like, and they give this strong argument why they were without, because they weren't bragging about it. They didn't whine that they were going there saying, hey, the humans are a problem. This was obvious. It was evident. Nose in your face. They're growing to populace. Look what they're doing. Look what's going on. Well, they ignore it. Well, they're wiping animals off the planet. Oh, well, that's not a big deal. Well, they killed one of the group. What? We could be killed by them. Oh, no, 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 no. That won't do. That won't do. That that is such a this is not my problem until they make it my problem mentality. I, I'm sorry, as we talk like even as now as we're talking about it, I hate all the other tribes even more in this instance. And and you should Red Talons are right. Uh if you're reading this book, you the, should the author of this book did an amazing job. Amazing. Because how do you not make a it's a clear argument from a wolf perspective. Right? Right. That's that's exactly how I feel. That isn't a human thought. There's a lot that there's a lot of context. To go into what must have been the discussion at that move, but there wasn't. There wasn't at all. It's just there's an impergium now, and we're going to do it because the red talons are wrong. And more importantly, it's not about the red talons at all, is it? It's about that the guru were killed. Mm-hmm. That's it. We have something to fear. We might be unhoused for our power, as is always the the push. And so they do that, and for a while. Basically, as they put down here, and I feel we could just talk about it. What they feel about the impergium? They said, imagine the scene. A small human herd with its constructions of ice, wood, and stone. Around a fire they sit and stand as the ancient night closes in. They look at the moon, fearful to find that it is full. Quickly they count their numbers, accounting for all their pack. 
The warriors shake their heads, knowing that it was a bountiful spring, and that many human pups play around the fire, tied by thongs of hide uh, to a post in the middle of the village. Too many. These infants are sent inside to wait together in the hall. If the wolves are to come, it will be tonight. The warriors sharpen their spears or repair axes as they sit around the built-up fire. The mothers of the children join them. All know that resistance is futile. The wolfmen, as they knew them then, are too strong and too fast. They hope that the hunters hunt elsewhere this night at another settlement, hoping the werewolves go elsewhere. Not here. But as the night wears on, they fall asleep one by one, illuminated by the glowing embers, each one believing that they have kept watch long enough and that they are safe tonight. Two men remain awake, staring at each other in a firelight. They are both old men. They know the wolves will come. A child will die tonight. And they use this to state that this is how it should be. That's how it was meant to be. They should sit there knowing that they, they overbred, they, they pushed beyond where it was safe, and they got to pay the piper. And the wolves were supposed to come around and bring the culling, and that's how it was. And, but they were never cruel about their shepherding. It's the human fear of the ways of balance that they argue made this a bad coupling, a bad situation that brought about a certain tribe that we'll just say the Red Talons have no love for. And it's the children of Gaia. I'm going to I want to I want to pause this real quick because I want to see if you you got the same idea as I did. Uh, Because I think it was right as I was reading this, I started I started comparing children of Gaia and the Red Talons. They're great foils, right? And I realized something. When I think of Guru, I think of the children of Gaia, typically. To to me, uh, and we've talked about this before, though I think it's been months ago. The the children of Gaia kind of typify what it means to be a Guru, because like even even in their name, they are about their their duty to Gaia and like their innate nature. However, when I think of Werewolf the Apocalypse. I think of the Red Talons, and I make that distinction for a reason because the one of the biggest themes for APOC is like there's a there's like it's that raging against the dying of the light that you have. And all through this, this is everything the Red Talons have been building up for. And it hits uh, that that fire that's been smoldering is about to get a lot bigger once we hit this. But did you did you have the same idea about those two that I did? I feel comfortable in saying that when I think of what a werewolf should be, it should be a red talent in that mindset. I think they're better played that way because you get an idea of the alien nature that a supernal creature should be. And they're born that way. And they should be born that way. Whether their homet or loop is born, this should be the mindset when you're brought up in a cairn. That you should have that to where you're looking to strike a balance with yourself as you are with all things in nature. That you are the judges because you're better than what is typically out there. And it makes sense that you're out there striking a balance because the way they have the ecosystem and the enemy is there. And they are absolutely true that humans are the enemy to the werewolves more than anything else. But they also yes. accept the fact that humans came from Gaia just like they did. The Red Talons say that. They know that. But the problem isn't that the humans were out of control and unchecked. The problem is that human nature, that defilement that was welcomed by the other tribes, that human half eroded and settled in them. So the silver fangs are madness because they believe they have a right to rule and everyone's obsessed with ruling. The shadow lords want what the silver fangs have. The children of Gaia believe everybody can have a peace. But as they point out later on, what a wolf wants in peace and sees is peaceful. A human does not because they don't get the purity of what peace should be. Right? When a human says peace, they're saying greed. They're saying when I have mm -hmm. everything I want in abundance, that's when I have peace. 
But until then, it's, it's an endless searching to always get what I want. And in fact, this book points out a lot of the frailties and shortcomings of a human being, which is why you feel a rage and why the author should be commended. Because even at this point, he's writing from a perspective of, I want to make you feel like a werewolf. And I want you to understand that though you're wolf born, you do have that human element in you, but it's pure. It comes from the ability to question and understand your actions as Gaia intended without the corruption of human society. So in that purity, you have terse answers or short answers that make sense. Thinking is more black and white, but if you should have to reflect, you can reflect. But it's to the betterment of everyone in that situation. By everyone, we're talking those you view and value as having supported Gaia's law. The law of nature, as it will. And that's and that's what's important. So in that, yes, I feel the Red Talons are what the tribe should be. The problem, they know it. And they also state, mm. they also state, well, why it's a problem is because the Red Talons refuse to change. They uh-huh. state that off the bat, that they do represent the wild and they do defend the wild and they are of the wild. However, they will not change. That's a fundamental law of Gaia that all creatures sentient enough have the ability to change will and should adapt. It's a law of nature, but they refuse to because they were what she intended and what should be. And because of that, the times are passing them by. And that is why for them, the apocalypse is today. Mm-hmm. It's now. It's not later. And that's jumping ahead a bit. But we kind of need to because of time. But I'm also pointing out the fact that we kind of get a we already got a grand picture of what it is, right? We just some some key elements here that were discussed um, already. But because of timing, and I knew this would happen because you and me mm-hmm. we're going to go over this. And plus, uh, we could talk the entire day away about red. Tones. I would. I would read the whole thing. But there's the uh, there's stuff in here about the betrayal and the end of the Impergium and what the betrayal mm-hmm. is. And I'm just going to point this out real quick. It's when the tribes all have a big moot meeting. Because the children of Gaia said that they're going too far. The Red Talons believe that compromise is betrayal. And the first betrayal was the first compromise. And that's what it's been ever since. And the betrayal came from the children of Gaia. They're the ones who said, the Imperium's wrong, look what we're doing. We, Our hearts can't take this. We're killing people indiscriminately and it's, it's just wrong. Now... This is the children of Gaia ignoring the fact that we had these these Fomori armies breeding up from nowhere. It's ignoring that there were there were cairns being snuffed out by human armies and technology not before seen and the worm and the vampires and all that. They're just ignoring it. Saying mm-hmm. it's unfair to look at the poor humans. And the Red Talons are out in the wild. And why they're unaware of all this other stuff going on is because the Red Talons were tasked by Silverfang Kings to go and support the Impergium that they asked to put into place. And so the Red Talons were there to make sure they existed as the shepherd of the humans. A shepherd. To make sure they don't breed out of control, they don't kill another animal to extinction, and most importantly, they understand to live with enough. To not seek beyond what you need to take care of you and yours. They didn't come around to do the things that people accuse them of. They weren't there to kill the sick. They weren't there to kill the old. The Red Talons believe that your old should be kept because they live to be wise. And that wisdom should be passed on to your own. And that's why they're there. And those who are sick have a chance to be healed. But if they can't be healed, then they should be called. These are the important lessons they stuck behind to teach humans. And the humans were learning it. But the children of Gaia came along to say a different thing. Reason being, if you remember the children of Gaia, 
they had an argument that was put in their head about the concept of love brought to them by the defiler worm. Love to excess, right? There was no balance. They believed that peace is endless and love is endless and that those things should happen. But if you look at the two tribe books and the two tellings of the tale, the red tellings are correct. In a black and white world, this is how it should be, but the children of Gaia are on the Hamid side of the spectrum, where the red towns are on the lupus, and we could leave it that black and white, but the truth is, it's not black and white only. There's a law here that was put in place, and the silver things put it there, but the red talons are in the minority when it comes to this. So while they put them out in the field to tend to the impergnum the red talons wanted so much, and they were watching and calling the humans that they were put in charge of and responsible for, the other tribes, admittedly by every freaking tribe we read about so far, they said, we kind of let the humans do their own thing. Uh, One of my favorite things about the Australia book we read is that the Bunyip flat out said, no, we're not doing this. Right. To to the extent that their people, their kinfolk, well, not their kinfolk, but actually the, the people that went to Australia with them, they don't suffer from the delirium because of it. Right. Right, absolutely, and that's a problem. It's it's a problem, right? It's excess again, which shows the uh-huh. power of the defiler worm. And because that idea went out there and it went in there, the Red Talons don't have it. But the Gru Nation screws them. While they're out, they call a grand moot. And they pull in all the tribes and they tell the Silver Fangs and they slam dunk say, end of the Impergium. They don't let the Red Talons have a say. They don't say a thing. The Red Talons come in the aftermath. They tell them what's done. And the Red Talons don't waste time arguing. They're pissed. They turn around mm-hmm. and they call lupus moot. Now, what's important about this, when they turn around and do this, it's a lupus-only meeting. The Red Talons didn't bar any lupus born, but all are Red Talon who are speaking. And when they went there, mm-hmm. they decided as a tribe, nah. Nah. And they went out and started slaughtering the humans they were out there to protect. In excess, it excess. was, uh, it was, uh, oh my gosh, it was not like just going through and like cutting down numbers, it was an almost ex- effort to exterminate them in the periods of like just nights, just immediately wasted no time. And you may think, why was this such a, a bad, like, why were they so pissed? It says because the children of Gaia were there, heavily influenced and tricked by the stargazers and others, all born of human. Teamed up and made this decision. Not only that, as they say, they put the yoke to them to tirelessly be out there and tend to the humans for the Impergium that the other tribes are getting lazy with. They made this decision and were congratulating each other at this great moot to say, we finally found a peace. <laughs> right? Oh, we're at peace. You guys are screwed, but we're good. Right? Like, what the hell? And then when it happens, you just, what's that? I could I could picture it now. They're all congratulating yourself. I wish you hadn't said that because I can't get that that scene out of my mind of like Rick and Morty when the dad's getting cloned. And they're all like <laughs> shaking each other's back and patting each other's back. That's what the lupus come back to. They're like what? Right. What is happening? <laughs> now what they said was they mistook mis they, they mistook inaction for peace. Mm-hmm. That's what they say the Hamids did. That peace is not to be found in stillness. It is a noble thing to seek peace. But it is found in the eyes of the dying moose that is your meal, or in the silence of a forest glen, or in the myriad smells of snow with the return of winter. Talking about what the lupus sees is peaceful, right? It's a stillness. It's a balance to nature, a return to what it was meant to be. A paradise setting which just isn't realistic. And a hobbit gets that where a lupus would not. And because of that, they know nothing of peace, as the lupus says, and that's why their rage grew and broke them. 
And why it broke them is because they had to call the humans because they knew what they were going to become and what they were doing. They were there when the mammoth got made extinct. It's that simple. And now with that being said, that betrayal is something that led to other excess. If you ever thought that the werewolves didn't know cannibalism, the Red Talons put that to put that to bed. It's not cannibalism. Let me first say that. Cannibalism would be species eating species. Right? Mm-hmm. You eat your own. Technically, humans aren't their own. But what they say here is that much meat was buried beneath the snow in this culling. For in those times, human meat was still sweet, free from toxins yeah. and worm spittle. I, I, if we, if we can step ahead just a little bit, we can step back after this. Reading the litany, my all-time favorite part of this book, just reading through the laws, because it was either like, well, no, duh, of course we're going to respect those above us. There's like an alpha for a reason. We'll, oh, we're not going to challenge for, for we'll, leadership during we'll, we'll a time of war? We're, sorry, sorry. <laughs> right? In, in time, young Padawan, we will get there. That's how we, that's uh. how we do. Well, because you're right, because they have a unique take on litany, which is right where I want to go here. Um, after this but the point is they do eat meat and they do eat human mm-hmm. meat at least they did but they stopped the moment that uh there was too much worm taint in them after time and that's mm-hmm. and that's what happened now they did this because they had a moot where they countered what the Gru nation wanted done and so the red talon name becomes one steeped in rage and fear uh, especially if you were human and they directly aided in uh that uh oh why can i suddenly remember the term um War rage? No, 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 no. Why human spirit? Oh, delirium. Thank you. Right. I was about to call no? it the veil. Yes. Like, that's not it. Delirium. Yes, exactly. What I'm referring to, and it, and that's, and that's what contributes to it. Now, we haven't heard of really the war of rage. A lot of the tribe books don't make it a focus. It's like it's something that happened. Mm-hmm. Whatever they wave a hand here, they tell you directly what happened here. And in in this war of rage, carte blanche and simple. That's when the world was waged war on all the other changing breeds. And, and they were there. But the Red Talons say the Silver Fangs are responsible for the war. And the Red Talons doubted the Silver Fangs word in it. And because they mm-hmm. doubted their word in it, they were able to preserve and hold back a lot of their, lot of their rage. But the Goral, werebears, they're, the, they're at the focus of it. The Silver Fangs wanted them dead specifically. And when the Red mm-hmm. Talons started this war and went there, well, the bears were slaughtering their, their kin, which there already were so little wolves because man was hunting them. Mm-hmm. So they had to step in to save their own against the werebear. But when they ordered to kill the Korax, which are the were-ravens, they're like, nah. Yeah, they hid them, right? right? Because there is a there is a relationship between ravens and wolves, and no lupus ever forgets that. Raven flocks will point out prey for wolves, and after the wolves have taken their side of the kill, the ravens will come in to take the, the, the leavings. And there's even more than that. Ravens are, are smart things and even playful things. Like they will actually play with pups, and learning to play is a thing all animals learn to do at some point. Whether you're a lion club or a or a wolf pup, and that's that's for a socio like a, a survival reason, right? It initiates bonding, and because there's part of that, those lupus that were red talons, they never forgot that with the corex, and the corex that were part of that as, uh, you know, young ravens never forgot that either. So when this war came, hap- like, started, they're like, yeah, sure, Silver Fang, corex, you stay in the cairn. <laughs> right. right. That's exactly <laughs> what happened, though. They said that the, the, the wolves wouldn't understand that, would come to kill the corex, too, so when they took them, um, what I like is that they took over cairns and said they were their cairns, and it wasn't theirs. Right, the, it's the Korax, solely the Korax to this very day. It's a, it's a, it's a holy place for the Korax only. But the Red Talons stand as defense, and because of that, 
there's there's a bond there more than a symbiosis. They're they're like family in that regard. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens. I thought that was more than cool. It explains why Griffin is the totem of this tribe because they're making uh-huh. they're making big boy decisions, right? And they're not waiting for a moot to tell them what's right and what's wrong. They're defending nature as they feel they should, and and they should. That's kind of their purpose, and they're living it up. Uh, a couple points that I think are great about them is one, uh, they make they mince no words. They say that their whole history is about the long defeat. They were made to, to right a wrong. If you think back to that story about the wolf being the firstborn, when it's killed, the first guru that's made, sure, was king for a time, but ultimately was made to help defend Gaia. And from that day, it was an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, what's she dealing with the worm and the weaver? How do you how do you deal with that? Gaia needed help. And she sought more than wolves, as you can tell by the War of Rage. That's why they're other shapeshifters. But I mean, they're aware of that, but they're only talking about their context, their perspective. It's their tribe book. But they say it's not over. When you look at the history without worrying about the dates and the length and the time and all that stuff, you can see the facts as they stack up. And it's nice to fit in one podcast that you can do that. But it's also the fact that when you get to what they feel is their apocalypse now, it's why. And they say it's because there's the bitter irony of the day is the fact that the Impergium has returned, but it is the humans who practice it upon the Guru, yeah. is what it is. Practices on the Red Talons specifically. And so they feel as their homes are being burnt and, and slaughtered and it's turning into scabs of concrete, more buildings for more humans who choke the very ground where, wherever they look and are wiping out their homes and the Red Talons can't change and their kinfolk are dying in mass and pollution's denying them food. They are in an apocalypse. So when this is called War of the Apocalypse, how am I not going to think it's talking about the Red Talon perspective? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. That's also the key reason I feel a lot of STs go, you know what? Don't play a Red Talon. That might be a little too heavy for you to bear. Right? That's another perspective and one I can appreciate. That's a big load put on your shoulders that justifies you waging that war against mankind. It justifies you Calling humans and coming up with a pattern of why your character would do it. But I say let them in the game. I say the politics line up and mm-hmm. should be there because a red talent justifies why a red talent player justifies why your child of Gaia player should be more than just about kumbaya and banging a drum for world peace and equal rights amongst humans. They need to also tend to the other tribes and tend to heal that gap that the red talents have because they know they're out there doing what they're doing because there's no one to save them. The true wound here is that the Defiler Worm has won against the Red Talons. And the Red Talons say, before we die, we die as wolves. We die as we were meant mm-hmm. to. And that is snapping at the jaws of the Predator that would slurp us down to hopefully wound it and get a Pyrrhic victory. And that's, and that's how it is. And maybe not just victory. Let me remove that. It's a human term. They would severely wound whatever foe it was to save whoever is left after them. And that's what they're doing. So where the... Croatan may have made their grand sacrifice and 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 others have disappeared and the White Howers were completely corrupted. Um, it's the Red Talons who are next up on the chopping block and they're going down in a real way. And who is going to rage mm-hmm. to save them? That's the ultimate question. That's what I pose to everyone listening. What comes down from this? And I love this. I said we were going to talk about the litany and we will right after we talk about the only two camps, if you could even call them that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That are, yeah. that are in there, right? Brentron, what is the Lodge of the Predator Kings? Lodge of the Predator Kings. 
These are the or these are the red talons that heard about the end of the Impergium and said, "Oh, you want to <coughs> end it? We're going to take it farther." They want nothing short of the complete extinction of the human race. It makes it seem extreme. A little bit. But if you read this book, a little book, bit. Is it? it? If you read it, if you hear that out of context, you're like, "Well, that's dumb." I read this as like, "Well, of course you do." Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You pushed it. To, <laughs> let me tell you, Jack. You come for me and mine, and you're going to make the Bob family extinct. Pack a lunch. Pack a lunch and bring snacks. So you better remember drinks for the uh-huh. little ones because we going for the long haul. That's not going to be over and out. And you're going to be amazed what I'm going to do. Right. I can only imagine some fertile creature. What is it? You were a tribe that once was plenty and the tables have turned. No one wants to help you and your own or, or, you know, you get the idea. I've stated it. Oh, of course there's a lodge of the Predator Kings, but are they at camp? Pfft. No. <laughs> no. So they, they go on to say, we don't really have camps, but you got to call this something because we're going to think a little bit different than, you know, someone else in our tribe. So you're going to call us camp. So this is what we are. Tornier, you'd say he's Lodge of the Predator King, so this is what he says about it. Right, and and that's and that's kind of what what they have it. But then there's the Warders of the Land, and these are the Red Talons mm-hmm. who uh, they're the bulk of the tribe, or at least what's left of them, right? And that's the important thing. They, they're quick to note they're a small tribe. There ain't a whole lot of them, and uh, the Warders of the Land are part of this, and they basically consist of those who are uh, well, not members of the Lodge of the Predator Kings or the or the Whelps Compromise, which we'll, we'll close this off with. Uh, but they're not really a camp. Again, they're people who feel that it's their job to guard the wilderness. These lupus are the ones in the woods who, when you come to dump your trash and mistreat the land and not respect it or hunt a wolf or kill and not use the meat or use any part of the animal, or if you're, you know, the big hunter and you're here to just put another thing in your wall, they're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. And who brought you? You're bringing your big construction tools to tear down trees so you can build more houses. They're going to kill you. That's what they're going to do. So basically it says the waters of the land, what's left is the majority of uh, the Red Talons. Mm-hmm. They feel that uh, we won't initially kill you, but come in our territory and encringe upon what we have left to take what's ours. We will take all that you have, which is, of course, your life and defense. But we do it out of a sense of purity. It's purely self-defense. And we're not seeking to eradicate everyone, even though we feel that there are those of us, Lodge of the Predator Kings, that are in the right <laughs> to want to have that rage to do it. But at the same time, balancing all things, what's Welp's compromise then? Uh, Welp's compromise. No Red Talon would ever call themselves this. However, someone's going to call them something. Uh, you might also have heard them as the Anti-Extinction League. That is, uh, that is what they want, the not-extinction of the human race. Uh, so let me let me expand on that a little bit, right? These are the most, um, I'll say liberal, liberal red talons you'll meet. They don't want every human that comes into their their land to be murdered. They don't want the entire race to be, you know, cold, hence their name. However, I there's I, I don't want you reading this and think, well, these guys, these they might as well be children of Gaia. No, not at all. They will still certainly kill humans. Oh, no. Absolutely oh, no. ones oh, that no. are deserving. Oh, no, don't even go there. Mm. No, that'd be incorrect. Mm. I will challenge you that every mm. day of the week by how this is wrote. No, they won't. Uh. Welp's compromise. Not only do they argue that you should leave the hominids alone and, you know, show a little, you know, be, be there for them and help them understand there's another way. That's very much a child of Gaia thinking. 
that's very much a child guy thinking that we should. Yeah, I know. That's why. Right? That's why I'm thinking they're they're not child guy because they can't be if they're red tails. They can't be child guy. <laughs> I won't accept. They it. can't be child guy because when they start preaching this, because they're trying to convert the red talents. These are red talents trying to convert the red talents. This is a child of Gaia conspiracy. No, it's not a conspiracy. Understand what this is. What this is are wolves who have adapted. We said they can't change because that's what the Metis telling the story said. They can't do it. They refuse to. They will rather be snuffed out than not. Welp's compromise represents that change. They're saying we can still be red talents. We have to go to the Hamans, teach them what, and then immediately there's a snarl. As the majority elders, the powerhouses come out to kill them, and these whelps roll over on their back and bare their throat immediately. Uh-huh. They do it instantly. And it's an ancient rite of submission. And because the submission's given, they, gosh darn it, we can't kill them. It is the way of our people. It is the way it is done amongst wolves. And since you show proper deferment, we'll leave it be. But then they use that as the way and the reason for them to always bring up this whining okay, don't kill humans, get on, blah, 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 blah. And they're, and, and what they do as the tribe in the back end, this is the uh, the warders and the predator kings say, okay, fine, you want to exist? It's better to keep you with us in tribal packs, all red talent only, rather than to allow mm-hmm. you to move among the other guru, threatening the name and honor of the red talent. So they're forcing a sanction. If you're going to be of the red talent camp or the Welp's compromise as a red talent, you're not leaving red talents. Right? <laughs> I was, I read this as, listen, we said we're going to kill these humans and we're gonna. Yeah, but like, I kind of feel they're kind of cool. I like video games. They're like, what? He rolls over. Hey man, there's my throat. There's my throat. Master Chief ain't that cool. You know, whatever. And that's, and that's what they do. They're like, I like video games. I don't know what Master Chief is. Fine. (laughs) But silence your tongue or I rip it out. Master Chief. Yeah, yeah, don't rip it out. Y- Meanwhile. You know you know for damn sure if you introduce a red talent elder to the game Rampage wait, with the giant ass wolf taking down sure, cities. If they're if they're wolves compromised. <laughs> right? How about one of those mini werewolf games that are out there? They can do the same thing, right? There you go. Oh but, no. Don't don't show them those. <laughs> don't right, do that. Right? But it's cool. It's cool that they do that. But it's uh it's it's worth it to check out the litany, like you said. So we're going to do it, and it's something that we need to, if only to point out some distinction. Right? <laughs> I have no idea why you're laughing. Uh, it's so good. Oh, you want me to start? I don't I don't know what you're you, starting. How do you want to go through this? So the litany has some statements, mm. Bertrand. I don't know where your head's at, but you just come back okay. to me, okay? All right, so, all right, all right. Uh, flat out, we know about how they feel about menace. We know the thing about combating the worm wherever it dwells, wherever it breeds. The thing to note here, they have a strong argument about this. And I advise anybody that if you're looking to make arguments, it's a philodox and werewolf. And look at your tribal litany, like how they view it as a tribe out of the first dead book is a great way to do it. Because it's going to help you get a generalized faction pitch to discover where your angle is on the litany itself. And to the to the Red Talons, combat the worm wherever it dwells and wherever it breeds. But they also say that if you would combat the worm where it does dwell and where it does breed then you need to go with them to the den or to the city and kill humans. Because you know the the humans are worm-tainted and they're overpopulated and worse. And if that's true, that we combat the worm wherever it dwells, wherever it breeds, we need to do it. Your inactivity just allows it to go worse. It's a hard argument. And you can begin to understand why it might be a pain in the ass to have them in a pack with you if you're trying to do some stuff, right? 
Mm-hmm. What's one that you had that you're like that's that's worth noting? The veil shall not be lifted. My all-time favorite of this because they're just like why? Veil doesn't protect Gaia. Gaia doesn't need the veil. So <laughs> there's no contest here, but it is something that is this argument because at the same time their kinfolk get slaughtered every time they act out of pocket. Mm. Right, but they say their kinfolk are being slaughtered anyway, and their homes are being destroyed anyway. So this is kind of them giving up, right? To hell with the veil. It's it's not much there, but it also makes sense. They're the ones who supported the Imperium, called for it, and that's and that's why it's there. Um, the leader may be challenged at any time during peace. And this is what you were talking about. It just bears noting mm-hmm. where you get it from. I love it because to a wolf, the leader's preordained. The strongest, the healthiest. Oh, right. The the that, the purity you can smell on on the on the scent glands or what have you. The wolf will know who should be in charge on sight, on seeing who it is, and therefore they're the one in charge in the pack because they're healthy and strong. End of discussion. There's there's right. no politics here. I did want to point out earlier in this book, I forget which section they they talk about how they depict their alpha, and it was a beautiful description of how you would actually see. Uh, pure breed, right? Because that is what they what they defer it to, or a large part of it, anyway. Yeah, you could say that, and it, and it is in there, no no contest with it. But it's also summed up here in pretty black and white letters, right? And how that, I mean, and I do mean that literally and figuratively, um, for the PDF mm-hmm. anyway. It's it's a uh, <laughs> it just comes down to that. It's it's about strength from a wolf perspective. That's all that should be matter: strength and health. Done. And they know where they fall in line. Everyone in the pack should know where they fit after that point. And that's going to be hard for a lot of people to get. It's something that should be easily to understand, though, once you read it and kind of get with it. It's not impossible. It's just you're not used to it. You're used to being able to have an argument or a pitch or why that shouldn't be upheld. And also, they get into the fact that uh, we already talked about the sickness and how they view it. But the uh, first kill of the station, that's what I like a lot says that there is a proper way to eat a kill that goes beyond the first share. And what they bring of insight is how to tend to the cubs. I think we forget that you're a living creature when you play a werewolf. And there are pups. Mm-hmm. Whether they're kinfolk or baby humans, they're, they're babies. I, should, I don't know why I said that. Um, but you might refer to them all as pups. Why not? Because if they come from guru parents, that might be the deal. And uh, the, uh, well, guru and kinfolk, let me be clear. But the point is, pups they have, and that's what they got, and how they do this is that the leader should get the first bite and might get at it, but then the rest of the pack gets to get at it. And when the adults eat, they turn around and they make sure there's enough for the old and then they regurgitate food for the cubs. Mm-hmm. That's how it's done. Right? Greed is the province of the homins, and we will have none of it. It's that simple. I, wow, I have respect for this tribe that it's like that. It's reminding them we take care of our family. We don't know what's wrong with you. Right, because if you read this, the first share of the kill for the greatest in station. Yeah, great, but we're not, uh, you know, greedy. We don't know how to do that, right? Yeah, that's legit, sure. Like, in other words, to say, why did you have to say that? It doesn't even make sense. That that has to be a law? For who? Right? And uh, then it talk, we already know they don't eat flesh of humans anymore. They saw that. Semaine the Hiring Station is also another gimme for lupus. And uh, and mm-hmm. all that, except an armable surrender we went over. More or less... That's why I feel that this whole tribe book is what a werewolf is. Because in them telling their history to you, you get 
what the litany is about already because it's almost in, ingrained. It's automatic for them, and thus it's pure. Now, the spirituality strength of them, too, comes from this and the tribal uh, totems and everything else, the same thing. And uh, that's in here. Um, you'll get a little cultured taste of, of how to be a wolf in like a page, page and a half, I think it's about, uh, where they get into it a little bit. But most of this is written in that perspective. So it's mm-hmm. you're going to get that no problem. And that and that's really it. Um, they do have the, uh, I should say, they do have their different uh, auspices and how they call it. A philodox isn't a philodox, for instance. It's called the traveling moon. And they explain why mm-hmm. from a lupus perspective. And that's something that's in here. And uh, the templates in here are gorgeous as well. I love that as well. Uh, always do. Uh, but that's going to wrap up for us what the Red Talon Tribe Book Review is. Now, we went in depth. We did explain a lot of terms in here and uh, situations in the history and chuckled through it. Uh, little prompting reminders and insights. And uh, that's kind of what it's all about. But if you have any questions, you know, you deviate, you think differently or what have you. Fantastic. We'd love to hear them. Um, reach us out on our Discord, obviously, and Facebook. We're everywhere. Let me just say we're everywhere. We make, <laughs> make certain we're out there to be reached and you can reach us, and uh, we'll get back to you. And uh, Brennan, as always, brother, thank you, man. It's been a blast. I enjoy this book, and of course I love this tribe. And uh, I, w- I would say that after reading the first dead book again, I have to say this is my favorite book, even above the Get Offenders, mm-hmm. because I feel clean when I read this and like them. Right, it's a, uh, agreed. it's a good feeling. Agreed. The get do. I don't know. Looking at it this way, and after reviewing the get, I will say this: the get feel. I'm a little shamed about them. Like they talk about strength, but they're not in a situation where it matters, and they've been in positions for it too. But the red talons, their whole existence that they call the long defeat, has been to try to uphold what Gaia made them for. And I feel the other tribes don't pay enough attention to that. And to that, I feel the purity is restored with them. And, you know, that purpose is there. And I will look to play a red talent. I'll admit, I've never been able to. And I, I'm going to push a little harder mm-hmm. for it and see if I can, if I'm up to snuff for that red talent challenge. I'll, I'll, I'll push with you. I'll push with you. All right. Thanks, everybody. I uh, will tune in next week, of course, with a Requiem review. And I will catch you at you next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.